How many of us can trust God as we would trust our human friends? Sometimes we speak to our Starbucks baristas more than we trust God with our problems. Sometimes people on social media have a better idea of who we are because of how much we post rather than telling God about it. Celebrities who don't even know who we are sometimes get way more attention from us than God does. Proverbs 18, verse 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Let's read it one more time because I couldn't hear you guys. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, I had asked Titus a while back, what is a friend? I want to ask you all, what is a friend? Is it possible to have a bad friend? Is it possible to have a best friend? Now, Eileen K. Moore, she's a PhD professor and a clinical psychologist. She wrote an article on psychology today back in 2012, and she outlined how children make friendships. Okay? And she pointed out, there's level zero. This is the I want it my way friendship. And this is usually between three to six years old. Children in the I want it my way stage like the idea of having friends and they definitely have preferences for some peers over others. But they're not so good at being reliable friends. For instance, three-year-olds might say, you're not my friend today. If they just feel like doing something other than what their friend wants to do. And then there's level one friendships, which is, what's in it for me? This is the five to nine. And children at this level care a lot about friendship. They may even put up with the not-so-nice friend just so they can have a friend. They also may try to use friendship as a bargaining chip, saying things like, I'll be your friend if you do this, or I won't be your friend if you do that. Then there's level two, which is by the rules. This is the 7 to 12 stage. Children in the by the rules stage tend to be very judgmental of both themselves and others. They evaluate themselves harshly the way they think other people do. So they say things like, no one will like, my, like me because of my dumb haircut. They tend to be jealous and they're very concerned with fitting in by being exactly the same as everyone else. This is usually the stage they start creating cliques or clubs. And then there's the level three type of friend. Sharing is caring. This is between 8 to 15. They know how to compromise. They do kind things for each other without keeping score because they genuinely care about each other's happiness. For some children, this is also the joined-at-the-hip stage. Usually girls, more often than boys, may be best friends and expect each other to do everything together. They feel deeply betrayed if a best friend chooses to be with another child. And then there's final, the final level, level four. 
Friends through thick and thin, and usually this is 12 and up. At this stage, children place a high value on emotional closeness with friends. They can accept and even appreciate differences between themselves and their friends. They're also not as possessive, so they're less likely to feel threatened if their friends have other relationships. Mature friendship emphasizes trust and support and remaining close over time despite separations. Now, if you were here throughout the week of VBS, you would have seen friendships and a bunch of breakups amongst the little kids because we had the whole gamut, five all the way to 12, and you saw all levels of these friendships. Though those levels are placed in different distinct boxes for children, believe it or not, they are also visible in every person's life, even after they hit adulthood. These stages apparently present themselves when you meet an acquaintance, a casual friend, a close friend, and an intimate friend. It is not God's will for his believers to be at enmity with each other, or with anyone else for that matter. It is not God's plan for men and women to make a social club out of his church. There is indeed a necessity for every person to be a friend with each other inside the church. After all, to love God, you first need to love your brethren too. 1 John 4, 19-21 says, We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is what? Liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Throughout your Bible, the word friend, friendship will come up. And like over, it's actually over a hundred times you'll see the word friend. I will focus today on two men that were called friend by God. They also contrast what a good friend is and what a bad friend is. These two men had very different outcomes in life. One became greatly known for the complete opposite of the other, their contrasts. They teach us also how to be a true friend and live a life that is pleasing to God and how to be a friend that glorifies God. But first, we'll go into prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for everyone that is here. And Lord, we are having a blessed day. And we just pray, Father, that you, your spirit would continue on and you would speak to our hearts right now. Help us to learn how to be good friends and Lord, we just pray, Father, that we would most of all draw, draw closer to you, Lord. We just pray for your glory and your honor to be shown here today. And perhaps, Lord, that revival would be struck in our hearts as well. I pray, Father, that uh, you would get a hold of every single person's heart here in one way or the other, and that you'd glorify yourself in our midst. We thank you, Lord, and praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Matthew 26, 47 to 50. Matthew 26, 47, verse 47. 
Anyone want to take a guess who the first friend is? Matthew 26, verse 47 to 50. Ready? Here it is. Verse 47 to 50, it says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. The first man we want to talk about is Judas. The first man that we're going to tackle, the first friend that God called friend, is Judas. This is the friend that never made it past level two of friendship. When I was young, when I was a kid and living in Quebec, I was still learning French and I was struggling in school. Um, where we lived, the neighborhood was not very good. It wasn't the best. It was what you would describe as the ghetto. And there were always cops in the neighborhood for one reason or another, broken glass everywhere. There were all kinds of weird neighbors. And usually I would walk back to school, walk to school and back. And I struggled to make friends back in, uh, back, this is going back to elementary school, actually. And as much as I tried to be friends with people, I couldn't really make them. The neighborhood kids were there, but I couldn't really be friends with them either because they had different interests. And oftentimes, actually, they would make fun of my ethnicity. I think there's a term for that. I'm not going to say it. But... There would be all kinds of things where they would make fun of me, and I just found it very difficult for me to become friends with them. So, this was back in 2002. This was back when Blockbuster was still a thing. All right? My dad found it would be a good idea to buy, my, buy me my first video game console, because I had no friends. So, he went to a pawn shop, and he bought me the first NES Nintendo, the first Nintendo. And I spent hours, I spent days playing with this Nintendo. It was great. And eventually I learned that, oh, there's more gaming consoles out there. There's something called the PlayStation. I told my dad about this, and he bought us the PlayStation 1. And along with PlayStation 1, he bought me this game. And I played for hours on this game. And I told some of my classmates about it. Well, one of the neighborhood uh, kids, he'd found out that I had a PlayStation 1. He didn't have a PlayStation 1. He had an N64, a Nintendo 64. So he said, hey, let's hang out. And all of a sudden, I felt included in his groups. Now this one guy who once made fun of me is now my friend. Believe it or not, I was just eight years old, nine years old. I didn't think too much about it. And I said, sure, we'll, we'll be friends. And then I was only allowed to play video games on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays back then. So Saturday came around, and my neighbor friend would knock on the door at 8 o'clock in the morning 
and he'd ask, hey, let's play some PlayStation. And I thought, but it's really early, and I only have one controller. He said, oh, that's okay, you can watch me play. <laughs> so he'd spend all day <laughs> playing my console, but I was happy that I had a friend. But then, sure enough, one day came where he finally got his own PlayStation 1. And all of a sudden, I was not included in this group of friends. In the end, I realized, and this is five, I think six years later, my parents were not happy with him, by the way, because he came into the home eight o'clock in the morning to play my video games, and they knew why exactly he was there. Okay, it wasn't because he was my friend. But I realized only five or six years later that I was just being taken advantage of. Now, going back to our story of Judas, Judas was a man that only wanted to take advantage of his friend. Judas was born into a good family. He had a good name, Judas. He was chosen by Jesus Christ to follow Christ fully. He had a great amount of potential and opportunity. He could have become an apostle. But he saw the world to be much more attractive than what Christ had to offer. Judas was a man that followed the friends that followed Christ. He didn't follow Christ. Judas lived by the world's wisdom, not God's wisdom. Proverbs 19.4 says, Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Judas showed his worldly wisdom when he rebuked the woman, if you remember, who poured the expensive spikenard onto the feet of Jesus Christ. He didn't recognize the worship that the woman was doing. Rather, he only saw the value of the spikenard. And how he saw it was, you're wasting it. This is the what's in it for me mentality. Judas followed Christ to take advantage of Christ. He played the long game to see how much he could get out of his friend before eventually leaving his friend. This unfortunate mentality is present sometimes also in us. We treat God as a genie. Or we treat God like a vending machine. We only speak with God when we are in need of something. And sometimes there's no love or affection involved. There is no sacrifice involved on our part. There's no time given to Him. There's no giving involved. Just an attitude of taking and taking. And yes, indeed, Jesus taught His disciples to be importune with their prayers, with what we ask from God. But make sure to also ask ourselves, is what we are asking really going to bring glory to God? Or is it going to ultimately bring glory to ourselves? Is it because of our lust that we go to prayer? And there needs to be an internal inspection. Ask yourself, why do you follow Christ? Why do you have the friends that you do? Is it for your own personal reasons? Your personal gain? Because according to John 13, when Judas was about to leave, 
Jesus claimed to them that someone was going to betray him. You know the story. Judas sitting there right beside the other disciples. They started looking around. Jesus said that it was the person whom he would give the sop to, giving it to Judas. The other disciples, they were clueless of what was actually happening. But the disciples started doing personal inspections on themselves. Lord, is it I? I'm not saying that we should never benefit from people we call friends, but remember, we need to be their friends as well. We need to benefit them also. Jesus did call Judas his friend. That's what we read. And in a way, the moment of betrayal, that last kiss, we see also that Judas had put God's plan into motion. The whole world benefited from the man that, call, that we call Christ, that Christ called his friend. So, in your friendships, don't be a Judas type. Don't seek for gain and never seeking to benefit your friends back. Be a blessing back to them. It's a simple application, but let's talk about our second man. Our second man. Let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 23, what we see is another man whom God called his friend. And James chapter 2, verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And here it is. And he was called the friend of God. When we are looking at Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, we're introduced to Abraham, or Abram, as we are told. And as soon as we're introduced to him, we're also told that Abram saw the death of his brother Haran. Abram got married, but he realized his wife was also barren, and, he, and she couldn't bear any children for him. And that perhaps was something they felt ashamed of in their culture, in Ur. Not only that, the father of Abram decided maybe it's time for a new start. It's time to move on. Maybe the city of Ur held too many memories of Abram's brother. And perhaps it was too much. So they decided they had heard of a, a land called Canaan. They will perhaps move there. Dad decided, let's go. On the way there, they stopped at a small oasis. They called the oasis by the name of their brother, Haran. By that time also, dad passed away. Now here was Abraham with his nephew and his wife, who was also barren. And then, it's possible, and these are all speculations I'm making here, it's possible that Abraham was seeking for help. Here he was, in nowhere land, it's possible he was seeking for help. Abraham grew up in a polytheistic society, a society that believed in many gods. How would he have found God? So we're told in Genesis 12:1 that God told him to head out to Canaan, 
I believe that God made one of the greatest promises of all because God had become fond of Abraham. Abraham was a man that found God in the midst of many other gods. It's very possible that Abraham trusted God so much, no other person would ever get a promise that would affect all of humanity the way Abraham did. Because of what Abraham did, Abraham really loved God. And there's no doubt, if you read through your Bible, Abraham is brought up many, many times about how his faith was shown. Abraham really trusted God. Abraham was a good friend. Abraham allowed himself to be used by who he really considered his friend, God. Now think about that. How many of us can say that we see God as our friend? How many of us can trust God as we would trust our human friends? Sometimes we speak to our Starbucks baristas more than we trust God with our problems. Sometimes people on social media have a better idea of who we are because of how much we post rather than telling God about it. Celebrities who don't even know who we are sometimes get way more attention from us than God does. But that wasn't the case with Abraham. Abraham loved God with all his heart and with all his soul, and with all his might. So much to the point where when God told Abraham of a child that he will one day have, God came to him in person to announce that. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 18. There was not many people that received a special visit from God Himself. Abraham was one of those people. Verse 1 to verse 8 shows us the story. And pay attention to how Abraham treats his guest. Okay? Here it is. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up, he lift up his eyes and looked And lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened, uh, hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes un- upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. That's a friend. Did you pay attention to everything that took place? He made a feast for God before refrigeration existed. He made butter 
He found the, the calf. He slew it. He dressed it. He had to marinate it. He made cakes. Usually that's kind of like um, the carbs to go with the meal. Look at everything Abraham did for God. Because God treated, because Abraham treated God like his friend. Ladies and gentlemen, there is never a time where we should ever hold back on God. The Apostle James was right to say that Abraham was indeed a friend of God. Abraham, if you want to go back through the list of levels, was a type 4 friend. Level 4. The friend that sticks through thick and thin. Now we talked about the two men. Our two points were Judas and Abraham. But there was one more person I want to talk about. And this is my conclusion. It's us. We could have easily ended right here. The message could have ended right here. But I want you to take a look at one last thing. John 15, verse, four, uh, verse 14. John 15, 14. I talked about the two men that God had called his friends. But there's one more. He does call friends. And here it is. John 15, verse 14. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Not everyone is a friend of God. And as you know, there is a special criterion for that. It's ye must be born again. But how do you also become a better friend to those you consider your friends? Because, you see, the lack of ambition to love or to become a friend is a very dangerous thing. The lack of ambition to love or to be a friend is a very dangerous thing. Either you love more or you love less. There is no such thing as remaining stagnant. And here is the greatest way to become a better friend. Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. And here it is. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What's interesting is that those two commandments actually can't be separated. Did you know that? You can't love God and not love people. You can't love people and just love God. It's a full package. You can't have just one or the other. 
oftentimes the world tries to say, oh, we love people. We just don't love God. Right? That's what they're preaching around now. But God is also saying, you can't just love God and know people. Because that falls into legalism. So first, love God. Love Jesus first. He is the first love we ought to always have. And then the second, love others the way you love yourself. To be honest, I'm learning more and more every day that if I am ever going to show love, whether it is to God, whether it is to people, whether it is to my wife, it's not easy. Love is not easy. Somebody posted this on their social media and it struck me. The true test of Christianity isn't just loving Jesus. It's loving Judas also. It's easy to love an Abraham in your life. It's easy to love the people that already loved you. But how much more difficult is it to love a Judas, somebody who has betrayed you? True love takes work. True love isn't always convenient. True love doesn't always hit every ideal criteria. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Let's actually turn there. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. Verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Is it awkward for you to talk to strangers? I I would lift up my hand. Yes, it is. It's extremely awkward to talk with strangers, people I have never met. But that's good. Because the awkwardness shows you that you are now fighting your flesh. Do you fear what people will think of you when you try to make new friends with new people? Good, because God's grace is sufficient for you in your time of weakness. What brings glory to God? That you talked with your friends that you have been friends with for so long? Or is it that you tried to be friends with people that others wouldn't be friends with? 
James 2.4 says, Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? I'm guilty of this. There is no need of social clubs. There's no need for cliques. When we show love and friendliness only to a certain group of people, that isn't love. That's partiality. Those people have value, don't they? Jesus died for them as well. So my encouragement to you is seek to be a friend. Seek to grow closer to God. Put in the work to become a better friend to your friends. Don't seek for convenience in the matter of friendships. It takes work to love. And maybe today you're here and you're listening to this message with some people in mind. You perhaps have clear pictures of who they are in your mind's eye. Perhaps they're just acquaintances. Perhaps they were old friends where you fell away from. I encourage you to pray for them. Pray for them and reach out to them. Draw them closer to Christ. That's real friendship. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.